my greatest worries. I I can make it up those steps or not. I did it. Well, it's good to be back. I just enjoy this church so much. Enjoy your pastor and his wife and family. I think a lot of brother, brother Sammy. He's a sweet man of God. Uh, I'm gonna tell a joke before he tells it. Is that okay? I don't know how long he usually preaches, but I heard about a pastor invited a young preacher to preach at his church. And uh young preacher got up, started preaching. It was 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes. And all of a sudden, after about 30, 35 minutes, the pastor, instead of saying amen, said Pharaoh. And the preacher kept preaching, but he kept hearing Pharaoh. And when he came down from the pulpit after he preached, he went over to the pastor and said, why did you start saying Pharaoh instead of amen? He said, let my people go. So... Maybe uh, we'll do that today. It's a great new year coming up. Those songs encourage me. The reason I don't stand much, I have a bad back. Uh, I'm kind of like my aunt. She's 93, and I ask her, how you doing? She says, well, I pick up four or five new things every year. In other words, more ailments and things like that's part of the ride. Amen? Would you turn your Bibles to Psalms 51? Psalms 51. Great psalm. I started reading this after on a reference scripture from something else I was going to preach, but God kept my heart on this. I want to talk to you about how you can have a special 2024. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I can be here in this sweet church. God, we thank you for how you've blessed this church through the years, through the trials and troubles, through the exciting times, the revivals, the great impact that this church has had on the community. Lord, we know that's because of your grace. Lord, I just pray your hand be upon this sermon today, upon this, these your people, those today who's never bowed their knee to the Lord, Jesus Christ, would come today saying, I want Jesus in my life. Dear God, thank you for this time. Bless every church in the area that preaches your word, God. Bless them, prosper them. In Christ's name I pray. Many of you are familiar with Psalms 51. It's a, it's a psalm about David who had fallen into sin. And this is kind of his prayer of confession. And I notice about four things from this and from some other scriptures that will help us to have a good, special 2024. Now, there's a lot of things we can see in the Bible that can help us, but this is just four things that I thought of. God laid on my heart about 2024. Number one, confess your sins quickly. Hurriedly confess your sins. Once you sense your conscience bothering you and the Holy Spirit convicting you, confess your sins then. Am I 100% at that? Absolutely not. But I'm like Paul that said, I want to know more and more about the Lord. I want to know the glory of His resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of His suffering. And in this, I want to know how to confess my sins quickly. Over in Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, is where kind of this story comes from. I'm not going to read that, not even going to turn to that. But you know the story about David, one of the great heroes in the Bible, a man who hungered God's heart, loved the Lord, human as he could be, would fall in problems, and, and he'd 
to get out of it with God's grace, but made mistake, kind of a Peter from the New Testament. But David was a great man of God. And he said, said in there in chapter 10, I think it was, that they had just had great victory among the Ammonites. They had conquered the Ammonites. And David went back to his palace, you might say, and took it easy. So take it easy. And the king needs to be with his men. And it was springtime, and they need to be taking care of some business, his military, and he decided to stay back and relax. You know the story. He saw a woman who was bathing, and she was very beautiful down below his palace. And I don't know the time span here, but he had her summoned to him, and probably because he was the king, and she didn't know he was looking at her, that he came. But when she came there, he manipulated her, and had an adulterous affair on his wife with Bathsheba, who he looked at from his balcony. Horrible, down to earth. But David did not confess his sins quickly. And it's strange me to stand up here, who I feel like I'm the greatest sinner that I know, and try to critique David, who was a man after God's own heart. But David was human. David was human, and David did not confess his sins quickly. It was probably the length of that child in the womb of Bathsheba. He probably did not deal with God at all. You see, many times when we don't confess our sins, it changes the world around us. There are many broken homes today, and yes, there's mental disorders, and yes, there's problems in the brain, and there's different things, culture... But many times there's problems in the home because we do not confess our sins, especially the man of the house. We are called to be the spiritual leader. And if we don't confess our sins, things change around the house. They may be subtle, but over the years they will change. All of a sudden, people have, don't have the ease to trust you. Something's wrong in your life. Sin changes their heart. Now many people say, Christianity, all you talk about is sin. Well, I'm sorry, that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. I'm sorry, but that's why Christ came to pay for the penalty of our sins. I'm sorry, the Bible says, to confess our sins one to another. I'm sorry, the Bible says, that if you say you have no sins, you lie and you're not in the truth. I'm sorry that the Bible talks a lot about sin, but sin is the biggest problem we have on earth. And Christ came and took care of that. Now, we need to take advantage of that to confess our sins quickly. If you don't, you're going to carry everything on your shoulders. Christ wants us to be free. He invites us to take advantage of His resources. Confession of our sins, repentance, is really a gift from God if you'll take advantage of it. Things start to roll after you repent. After you confess, things start to roll. Tough things sometimes, but it comes out and you get it. As he said in this, I want a new spirit. Create in me a clean heart. <clears throat> Let me ask you, are you clean, clear, through? David Wilkerson, I think that's his name, or Bruce Wilkerson. I've gotten them mixed up through the years. But he was, he was asked by a missionary society, a, a group uh, that went out into all the world. 
he was asked by that board to come over and to talk to those missionaries, about 35 of them, I think the book said, about some things they need to be aware of. And one of the things he talked about is just simply asking the question, is there anyone you haven't got right with in your life? Are you harboring anything against your fellow man? Are there sins in your heart? Does your conscience tell you that? Does the Holy Spirit convict you of that? In other words, they were the cream of the crop in the religious world of that denomination, and they were going to the mission field, and that's what he had the boldness to ask them. 75% of them told him through assessment he passed out to them anonymously that they had things in their life that they had never confessed, never got right with God with completely. I know that's a struggle, and there's some implications of that that vary from situation to situation. But our conscience is supposed to lead us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, once we accept Christ, our conscience is Christ-controlled, Spirit-controlled. And we have got to confess our sins quickly. You ever been mad at your wife or husband? Don't raise your hand, all you that are married. And it starts in your heart, well, she hurt me. I've been married 55 years. Sammy, where are you at, Sammy? We've had those times. And you go back in your room and you think and you ponder and this is not fair. This is not fair. And then you think the Holy Spirit tells you. Then you think, wait now, I remember two weeks ago I said something to her and hurt her heart. And you go through that scenario and all of a sudden if you don't watch it, you'll rationalize and you'll lie to yourself, and you're living a life of independence, and it's a heavy load. You're living a life without faith in Christ. You, during that time, become a practical atheist. That's harsh. The Bible says sin is separation from God. You can't live by faith if there's sin in your life. Amen? Amen. I don't like that. It's tough. It's hard stuff. Everything's not easy to preach. But there's a certain independence we take on. There's a certain price you're going to pay if you don't confess to one another and the fellowship that you had before and the protection you had before and the accountability you had before with that person goes away. And then you start, if you get into it for a while, you start grouping yourself with people that go along with the sin that you're harboring. Prodigal son did that. influence that you pull around you makes you more independent from God. You ever heard of independent Baptist? We're independent Baptists when we don't confess our sins. No reflection on that denomination. Then you start thinking God doesn't care. God doesn't know. It doesn't matter. It'll never come up again. And all of a sudden on your shoulders are a heavy heavy load and I believe your personality can change to accommodate what you're rationalizing about instead of taking on the resources that God has for us that you had at the beginning of of, of salvation when you said God forgive me I'm a sinner oh how sinful I am instead of taking those resources where the Holy Spirit came in you as salvation and you were growing in Christ now you stop and you rationalize in that old nature and all of a sudden, on your shoulders is the whole world. 
God becomes very small to you. Except in certain places like church or hear a song on the radio. The joy is gone. So I ask you to have a special, special 2024. Confess your sins quickly. Ted, confess your sins quickly. Number two, share your thoughts with the Lord often. Daily. Continuously, if you like, as the Bible says. Look in chapter 51, verse 1. This is a prayer from David. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Transgressions means you've stepped over the law of God. You went into a world that's very lonely and hard if you are unconfessed in a sin in your life. He says, wash me from this iniquity. That means a gross sin. And cleanse me from my sin. That's offending God. Missing the mark. There's different names to sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. You can read chapter 32 and see some of the things that come out of it. You've got to talk to the Lord to have a special, special 24. Now, does this sound like a law again? Christianity is not a law. It's a law of love anything but it's the law of grace he wants to give you because that song says we're a child of God we want to be a pauper sometimes and we need humility God has gives grace to the humble but listen we're something special on this earth pray to the Lord and I know we all struggle with quiet times and we're going to do it and maybe after a month or so I'm human as you are but here's something I learned a long time ago. It's very simple for me in prayer. You have a way of doing it. That's okay. But I have a way of doing it. It's a hand prayer. Monday, your thumb is closest to you. Pray for your family. They're the closest to you beside the Lord. Pray for your family. Two, it's a pointing finger. That means those that have teaching and preaching and teachers, they instruct. Their whole life is instructing I mean, giving out the word, the knowledge to people, that's the point of bless these people. Number three is the middle finger. That's the strongest finger. Those in power, Biden, the Congress, all of these people we gripe about sometimes, the Bible says to pray in Romans for the authorities that are above you. That's the strong, the strong, the, the politicians, the, the people that are in spiritual leadership, your pastor, these that have some some influence in people's lives. The, la the third one, fourth one, is a weak finger. Pray for the weak, the downtrodden, the hurting. The woman at the well that's living with the man but has had several husbands and on and on and on, those that are in our lives. And the last one is your pinky finger. That's pray for you. You and your needs. That's a simple prayer I use a lot besides some other things. But you need to have a special year and you need to build a relationship with Christ. You can't just do it once a week. I did that for years. Just go to church. Everything was fine. Then life started to crash in on me. And I realized I don't have enough for this penalty. I can't do it anymore. Christ helped me. Like the prodigal son. He helped me. So the first is confess quickly. The second one is pray. 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 If you don't, there'll be sin in your life if you don't confess it. 
heard about a pastor who came and preached at a church and afterwards a man came up and talked to him and they were talking about some past, he was talking about a past church he was at. And yes, the pastor had preached there and it was a good conversation. And then the, the preacher named some people in the church that they might mutually know and he named so-and-so and Mr. So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so and he came to Mr. So-and-so and flames came out of that guy's eye. Someone said that man put up with everything but forgot nothing. Are you that way? Are you that way that you smile and put up with everything but then behind the scenes you forget none of that and you talk about it? That's not building a relationship. Oh, God wants to come to He wants us to come to Him and be honest with Him. Number three, read your Bible daily. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, you know that scripture. I know Sammy's taught you that, and you know that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, let's look in 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, and where he is proficient to do anything God asks him to do. He teaches us what's right, that's doctrine. He teaches us correction, that's reproof. He teaches us righteousness. That means everything we need, both good and bad, you understand, it has to do with living. Stay away from that, come close to this. So the Bible is so important. Now, How do you read the Bible? You got a plan perhaps? I hope you do. Sometimes my plans don't work out good. I have to change to something else. I'm struggling with digital. I used to know when I read out my Bible, I, I use an iPad or a phone lot, right, lot now for, and I'm not against that. I do it some. And, and I used to read a Bible and I use it for daily Bible reading. You tell me, where is John 3.16? Where is Romans 8.28? Where are these scriptures? And I can tell you right then what page it's on. If it's the lower page or upper part of the page. Now I can't do that. I'm struggling. So God is speaking to my heart about reading off my iPad all the time. I can't write on there. I can't make a note on there. You can, but you can't go back to it as easy as you can. What do you use when you're reading the Bible? Someone said reading the Bible is like listening to someone talk about your dad. And you tell, tell me more. My dad died in 1981, and he came here from Greece, and that's another story. And he found the Lord several years later after a rough life. But he never told me this story. And he told my brother-in-law, one day my brother-in-law in Nashville, when my mother and father were visiting him probably in the late 70s, sitting on their back porch on their deck. And he said, I asked your daddy about the old country, about Greece. He said, oh, son, we were young and we enjoyed life. He's from a little island, Samothraki. That's where Paul came across on that uh, when he had a call to Macedonia in chapter 16 of Acts. And he said several of us would get together and kind of make a U-shape, and then, and, and then we'd walk, and, and someone in front of us would have a fire in a basket. We'd walk in the ocean, the Aegean Ocean. He said probably it was about up to their waist, four or five guys, and someone would light up the water. It's just clear as it can be. And he said they went octopus hunting. And he said when they found it, they stuck it and pulled it up, and bit between their eyes to kill him. That's my dad. He bit octopuses between his eyes. And they killed him. 
But I clung to that dad. I didn't ask my dad some of that stuff. Had a good mother, but she never encouraged us to talk about the old country. My dad didn't have one person in this country that he knew about that was his kinfolk. Never went back to Greece. He, he was afraid because that's not my real name, Vaphius. My real name, I know it's going to be easy, it's Vaphithius. That's my real name. I found that out about 20 years ago on a trip to Greece. But I didn't ask him enough about his life. And sometimes when you prepare yourself to read the Bible, ask the Lord, Lord, show me something here that I'm reading, whether it's a chapter a day or four a day or, or a book at a time, whatever it is. Show me, God. Show me your heart. Show me what you're doing. Help me in these things. I want to be like you. I want to hear stories about you. I want to hear stories about these people in the Bible. I want to be like them. See, I had a good dad, and I wanted to be like him, but for many years, I... I, I didn't talk to him about it. I was too busy dating and playing these different games and things. So look at your Bible as a songbook. Praise him. Look at your Bible as looking for the Word of God. You want to be like him. I used to walk behind him in the snow trying to be like my dad. Be like Jesus. Try to be like Jesus. There's enough light in the Bible to help us in every area. Lastly, the fourth thing is fellowship with other Christians. The Bible says in Hebrews that we are to do that more now than ever. I'm very sad that a certain number of people, so many people have dropped out of church since COVID. Some of them damaged by it, and some of them can't go to church, probably didn't get hindered, but many of them just are out of habit. Now, if they could say, I get together with the Christians every week and have prayer, and we talk about the Bible, the Lord, and David, talk about Peter, that's beautiful, but most people don't do that. I go fishing, I get to see nature, but most people don't think about God fishing. Most people really don't. So we got all kind of excuses to stay away. You know why? There's sin in our life. I want you to notice over there, in, well, I'm not going to read Hebrews, but it, but it says there that we are not to forsake getting together. That's the only scripture in the Bible that talks about that. You just can't beat that in the ground. I used to beat people to come back Sunday night and beat people to come back Sunday morning and beat people to come back Wednesday night and all of this. Just be here to make me happy. No, it's a love affair with the Lord. Fellowship with other Christians. Get that sin out of your life. Look in verse 13. I love it. In verse 10 it says, Give me a clean heart. Verse 12, Restore to me this joy. He'd committed adultery. His baby's going to die. His two sons are going to die. It's a mess. In verse 13 he said, If you'll restore me back. I've confessed it to you, it said in verse 1 and 2. I've confessed it. Created me a clean heart. I want you to restore this joy that I had as a new Christian. God, give that to me. And then in verse 13, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted unto thee. You know, 
me and Sammy's worked together on some witnesses, things that can help you witness. And I've been through many of those things. Many of them are good. Those are programs that people that love the Lord want to use. But this right here, verse 13, I believe is the biggest problem in witnessing. I believe it's the biggest problem. I asked a church last week that had six people in it to invite ten people to church the next Sunday. Praise God, there was one more person there. I challenged them. But you know the biggest problem of not inviting people? Well, this church is messing up, preachers are messing up, that's some of it. Jesus never messed up. Biggest problem we have in witnessing and sharing our faith is there's sin in our hearts. Our conscience won't let us. We evidently haven't understood the grace, marvelous grace of God. That grace is greater than your sins. And if we'll take that resource of repentance, God will guide us to a better walk with Him and there'll be power and it will be overflow. It won't be four points. I love four points. I still remember the Romans Road and and all the other things, Billy Graham's little tracks, I remember all of them, but when they're sin, I won't talk to anyone. I'm a hypocrite then if I do that. My conscience eats me up, and because of stubbornness, and I'll, I'll do what I want to do, independence, I didn't do that bad, I'm going to stick where I'm at, God. Because of that, there's no grace coming from me. You talk about not giving, when you get your heart right, you give. That's all there's to it. We can have all the campaigns in the world, and I love them. I build buildings like this, and it's beautiful. But until you're right with God and walking like a child and humming yourself before God on your knees and crying and weeping for lost people in your family, it won't happen. Only about 13% of people are going to church that call themselves Christians. 13%. And now you don't know men from women. Now people can't even define what a woman is. What causes that? Sinfulness. It's the most obvious thing in biology. Of all the animals, of all the people created, is male and female. Now you have people that are leading this country saying, I don't know what a woman is. Shame and disgrace. And that will never change until men and women of God like you and me decide to walk with Christ and I mean, empty your pockets and say, God, I'm for you. That's what will change this country. Not a politician, Democrat or Republican. We want the best men in there. We want conservatives, probably most Christians, but it does not work. David was a great guy. He won all the battles. Saul won here, had his thousands of military victories, but... David tens of thousands and now here he is cowed down like a child because he had a adulterous affair. He could have been put to death, the law said. He held back, afraid of God's power and God's grace. And it messed him up. And he got run out of town by his son Absalom. He lost another son that, Ab that Absalom had killed, Amnon. His daughter was raped by Amnon. I mean your life will fall apart. You don't get right with God. And we live in a pretty sanctified society, sanitized rather. 
and everything's pretty good. But I'm telling you, when his hands come down heavy upon you, your bones actually ache because of the guilt in your life. As it did David's, you will fall on your face. It's not worth your life to be destroyed. Now I'm talking to Christians. If you're not a Christian, you're going to pay for your sins. But Christ paid for all of them. That's the good news. I don't share it sometimes because I had a little short word with my wife this morning, you might say, and I just didn't have time to witness to you. In closing, I have a friend that goes to a grocery store in the show every morning. And he takes tracks with him. And he goes there because he's too old now to go to the well care center and exercise. He, he just walks around the grocery store with a basket to get his exercise. But he carries tracks. And I got a prayer line I started several years ago with some guys and he's on that. He doesn't read a lot of books. He's not a good reader. Just doesn't have the truth that you might need, the sophistication. But every time we close out in a prayer on that prayer book, he says, Boys, don't forget. Give out the gospel. You know, he's the most innocent, loving, pure man I know. Probably he's not carrying around a lot of sin. Once David got right, he rejoiced, he taught people about salvation. It just gushed out of him. Had him gush on your chest like this. That's the way to have a good 2,000. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Your response is critical today. Your response is critical. You can stay in your seat, do business with God, mad at your husband, Lied to someone, you've got to decide. Is that the thing I need to confess? Is would that be best? Did I really sin against that person? Is that just something that's in my mind? But if you know the Holy Spirit's convicted you and your conscience bothers you, and you get alone, it's on your mind. Get that right. No one knows if you're praying about the bowl games coming up or if you're praying about adultery in your heart. No one knows that. You and God. You need to get that right in the seat, at the altar. Come and pray. Start tomorrow as a special year. Reading your Bible. Confessing quickly. Talking to the Lord. Fellowship with the Christians. Would you do that? Father, I thank you so much. David, at his worst, taught us the best about you. That you forgive and you never bring it up again. God, I pray for us today that we'll do business with you, get things off our chest, then follow through where it's necessary with other people. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We're going